Well, it's 11 o'clock, and let me welcome you warmly to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church. Thank you for coming to join with us today. If you're visiting with us, my name is Duncan. I have the pleasure of serving as the pastor here, and we are thrilled that you've chosen to join us today. And hopefully folks are able to watch at home online today, and you're very welcome to join with us too. Um, We come here to uh, worship the Lord. We come here to hear from the Lord. And today is a particularly special service this morning because we will also be baptizing a young man who wants to testify to his faith in the Lord. So let me read some verses, first of all, that help us to be clear on what we're doing here today. These words are taken from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We're coming here today to together be reminded of who God is and reminded of all that he's done for us. Please do take a seat and let's take a moment to pray and to ask God to help us. And praying really is just speaking to God and asking him for his help. So let's do that now. O great God, rich in love, slow to anger, our Father in heaven, we thank you for all that you do for us every day. We thank you for making us. Thank you for giving us this new day that we enjoy. Thank you for telling us what you are like in your word, the Bible. And we want to worship you today, Father. But we know that we do many wrong things. We sin. And that that means we cannot come near to you. But we thank you that you forgive all the sins of those who believe in Jesus Christ. Thank you that he has come to rescue us from our sin. To bring us back to you so that we can worship you truly. Not just in what we sing on a Sunday, but in how we live our lives for you every day. Help us today, Father. We want to hear from you. We want to be changed by you. And in particular, Father, we want to thank you for Gratian and for how keen he is to be baptized today. Thank you for his clear testimony of faith in the Lord Jesus. And I pray, Father, you would help us today to understand what it is we hear, what it is we witness today, and for, our, for each one of us to personally know the Lord Jesus Christ and to know the joy of being part of your family. As we ask for your help now, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, Our Bible reading now 
And um, Joe is going to come and bring that to us. It's one of the most exciting stories that you'll find in the New Testament. And just to help you take it in, as soon as Joe has finished reading this for us, we're going to have a video telling us the story again. Thank you. So the reading today is from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. Saul's conversion. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. where someone, the direction of someone's life was completely turned around. But what I want to show you today is that even though this is a very special example of someone's life being turned around, the same thing that happened to Saul needs to happen to every one of us. The same thing. Maybe not as dramatic, but here in this story we learn what happens when someone becomes a Christian. Now, I'm going to confess, if I'm thinking about someone who I might invite along to church someday, then I tend to think about people who are nice, people who are maybe even a little bit interested in church, because I imagine that the most friendly people would be the people who would be most likely to come. If I think about some people who I've maybe known over the years, some people who really hate God who hate church, who hate Christians, 
always argue about the Bible, always argue about Christianity. Well, if I'm honest with you, I find it really hard to imagine that they would ever be interested in coming to church, and so I don't invite them. Sometimes I struggle to believe that someone can really change. But this story from Acts chapter 9 really turns all that on its head. Because when we look at Saul, we see that first of all, he was lost in darkness. He was lost in darkness. This, is, this story is God's way of making us think differently from how we would usually think when we think about who might change and who would not. Because no one expected Saul to become a follower of Jesus. No one do you notice that when um, Jesus spoke to Ananias, this, this, this follower of Jesus who had to go and speak to Saul, Ananias said, are you sure? I mean, we know all about this guy. He's nothing but trouble. Are you sure this is who I need to speak to? And that's what Luke, who wrote this story for us, reminds us of in verse 1. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. This is more than just saying Saul didn't believe in Jesus. This is more than just saying Saul wasn't interested in coming to church. Saul hated the followers of Jesus, and he made it his mission to destroy them. That's what he spent his time doing. That was his job. If you said to him, Saul, what do you do for a living? He would say, oh, well, I hunt down Christians and I throw them in prison. What about you? And in fact, if you were to go back a chapter or two, you find that Saul is there helping a group of men to kill one of Jesus' followers. Saul really was lost in darkness. He was a strictly religious Jew, and he didn't believe that Jesus was God's promised rescuer. And so, all of those who claimed to follow him, they were trying to upset the religious system that he believed in, and so he had to stamp it out. And we read of him there in Acts 9. He goes to the priest, and he gets permission. He gets a letter allowing him to travel to another city and to round up the Christians there and to throw them in prison. And here we find what it took for his whole life to be turned around. Look at verse 3, or let me read it to you. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And who spoke to him but Jesus himself? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. His life was touched by Jesus Christ. Simple as that. That's what turned him around. His life was touched by Jesus Christ. And what's amazing about this is that Jesus had already died, had already been raised from the dead, had already gone back to heaven. And here it's as if from heaven itself, Jesus, in all of his glorious brightness, he appears to Saul 
I mean, that's the language, isn't it? This light from heaven flashed around him. What Saul saw that day was the gloriousness, the true greatness of Jesus Christ. For the first time in his life, Saul became clear about who Jesus really was. And in fact, the verse that comes after our reading tells us that once this had taken place, at once he began to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what he'd come to realize in that moment that Jesus is the Son of God, not just some carpenter's son who died on a cross, not just somebody who had strange stories to tell, but the Son of God. And in fact, you read Saul's life, and he spent the rest of his life telling others about Jesus. And you can read the message that he preached. He told people that Jesus Christ was crucified, died, and that he rose again. The Son of God did all of that. What Saul also saw here was how bad a thing his sin was. This is quite a strange thing that Jesus says to him. He says, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I guess persecute, another word for that is hurt, isn't it? Why are you hurting me? Now, that's a strange thing because maybe Saul could say, well, I'm not hurting you. You're up in heaven. How could I hurt you? But what Jesus is saying is, if you hurt my people, you're hurting me. And in fact, if you're here today and you're a Christian, this is a beautiful lesson, isn't it? That to belong to Jesus means that you are so closely united to him that he feels your pain. And that seems to be what he's saying, isn't it? Try and hurt my people, you're hurting an extension of me. That's how closely Jesus understands what you're going through today if you're a Christian here. But what Saul realized was that however bad the things were that he was doing to other people, his sin was really against God. That's how severe the wrong things in our lives are, the broken relationships in our lives are, that actually it all comes back to this most basic thing. All sin is sin against God. So I want to, as I said at the start, I want us to see that this, this thing that happened to Saul is something that needs to happen for all of us. We all walk and live in darkness. We all, naturally speaking, misunderstand who God is, even who Jesus is. And maybe that's the question I want to start with you is, do you understand who Jesus is? Who, who is he in your own mind? Have you written him off as someone who is insignificant, irrelevant? He's past tense only. Are your thoughts of him far too small? Do you understand that there is such a thing as a law from God and that you have broken it and that that is offensive to God? All of us are lost in darkness blind to who God is, blind to how sinful we are, blind to what Jesus has done for us. But sins against God can only be forgiven by God. 
And he has provided that means of forgiveness by sending his son. As this Saul, who probably already had another name, Paul, at this point, spent the rest of his life doing, telling others, the Son of God was crucified and rose again so that your sins can be forgiven. We need this touch on our lives to see Jesus as He is. As we read the Bible and as we hear the Bible's message, it is God who touches our hearts by His Holy Spirit to open our eyes so that we might see Jesus in a way that we never saw Him before. So much so that we believe. We believe He is God's Son. And we believe that everything He did was for me. I mean, that's the place we have to come to, more than just being able to tell Jesus' story, to say that His story is my story. He died for my sins. He rose so that I would have life. He lived a perfect life in my place. He is my Savior. Well, you notice that Saul is blinded by the sight of Jesus. He gets to his feet and he can't see a thing. And it's a picture, isn't it? Just like we've been saying, he was blind. He needed to have his eyes opened. Jesus appeared to him so that he might see. And it seems that God wants to send this other disciple, Ananias, to come and confirm for Paul the things that he's seen and heard. And it's a beautiful picture when Ananias comes to this new believer who he has a lot of reservations about. And he simply calls him Brother Saul. That's verse 17. Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. One other thing to point out, maybe two. God had a plan for Saul's life. The message that Jesus gave to Ananias was this, go, this man, Saul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, that just means people who are not Jews, and their kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. I mean, this is the biggest turnaround of all. He, one minute he's trying to destroy the church, and Jesus intervenes, and Saul would become a man who devoted himself to planting new churches, to building up the church. In his old life, he was working against Jesus. In his new life as a Christian, he was doing what Jesus wanted him to do. And that's what a Christian is. Someone who's gone from working against Jesus to doing whatever Jesus wants them to do. Not just A Christian is not just someone who toddles along to church on a Sunday, as good as that is. It is one who follows Jesus Christ, who more than anything else wants to do the things that please him. And so how did Saul start on this way? After those scales fell from his eyes, verse 18, he could see again. He got up and he was baptized. He got up and he was baptized. 
Here, Saul does what Christians do, to proclaim outwardly what has taken place inwardly. He's trusted in Jesus. He's depending only on Jesus. And the way that he outwardly shows that is not just by saying that's what he's done, but by being baptized. You know, ever since the church was established nearly 2,000 years ago, people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ have told others about it by being baptized. That is being submerged in water. I mean, it's an unusual thing. There's probably nowhere else in the country where you'll find someone fully clothed, deliberately getting submerged in water in polite company like this. A simple ceremony where the person who, is, who goes under the water declares that they are united to Jesus. And when they go under the water, what they're, they're, they're showing is it's, it's a kind of burial being buried under the water, saying, my old life is buried and dead and gone. And then coming out of the water is like a resurrection. I'm now living a new life for Jesus, a new life raised with Jesus Christ. It is a bold statement by a Christian that they belong to Jesus. If you're a Christian here today and you've never made that bold statement, let me urge you to look again at the pages of Scripture and see this pattern that Saul demonstrates for us here. His faith in Jesus was testified to by his baptism. But I want to say just very quickly one other thing. In baptism, there's another declaration being made. And it's a declaration that's being made by the church. In a sense, I will baptize Gratchan very soon. But there's a sense in which actually it's the church that baptizes this young man. And we as the church say, we recognize that this is our brother in Christ. And we are making our commitment to support this brother, to encourage this brother to help him to grow in his faith. And that tradition that's gone on for 2,000 years, we will do the same thing here in a moment. What is it that makes someone change? Their life is touched by Jesus Christ. And the evidence of that is that they see him clearly for the first time. Maybe today, in the simple way, through these words that we've spoken about this morning, through what we're away to do in this baptism here, maybe for the first time for you, you've seen Jesus clearly, then trust in Him. Place your faith in Him. Give your life to follow Him. Come and speak to me afterwards. Come and speak to anyone you've seen stewarding today. We'd be delighted to speak with you, to pray with you and to lead you, as Ananias did, to this Savior. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Let me just offer a prayer of blessing, and then our service will be over. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.